0: When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Different Narc Podcast with, episode number, I I still can't do it. Episode number, what are we, 16? 16 now, mate. Thank you. With Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. Bradley Adams. Brad, we played football yesterday. (laughs) We did, and I'm fucking dying. I'm dying too. Do you know what, listeners? Brad is a good goalkeeper. I'll give you
1: that. Oh, thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. I can I can ping a cheeky little pass as well every now and again yeah. I tried to find you with a couple of overhead balls that didn't quite come off didn't quite come then, off. then i mean it's it's fifty fifty as to whether it it, it it's fifty fifty as to whether it comes off or fucking goes into Rosette yeah but like you know you never really know, but I've got a good save on me. we had big Henry shine the target man up there
0: anything could have happened Henry shine the target man to head it on you never know then the nippy i i i I describe myself as a sort of a, a nippy maybe maybe cam diminutive diminutive the thing is, yeah. the thing is right. I'm five, ten, eleven, and I felt really small on that pitch.
1: Well, we did have a lot of like tall people. What? It was
0: basically it was a year of uh, our mates, uh, but just coming back together and playing some football legally. Legally, legally. we rented a pitch. You, we rented a pitch. It was outdoors. It was all fine. It was great. Uh, yeah, but I am dying today, and I and I sort of echo my comments from a previous podcast where I said maybe I'll never criticize anyone ever again which is not true is it because the yeah. imagine imagine being a football podcast that never ever criticized a player ever it's like he had 14 chances well you know he tried
1: yeah i know but the thing is is like we we're not, profe- like, obviously we're not professional Premier League footballers, mate. And so I think <laughs> this is what I mean, as in... It's
0: information I didn't know.
1: <laughs> of course. But is in, like, we understand, after playing football, you obviously understand how difficult it is to be a foot like, in the sense of, like, you have to have good technical ability. Like, you do. Like, you have to be talented if you're playing at, like, the top echelons of a sport. But then it makes it even more annoying when people will fucking, like, just absolutely thwack it and it will go into to Rose Ed and you're like... You're being paid ninety grand a week for this. This is your day job. Like, sort it out. Yeah, and you're actually really good at it. Do you, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like Calvin Lewin. Like first touch of. I think also I think should be a target for Arsenal. I I think he'd be fucking great for us. He was a fan, wasn't he? He was a he was a fan when he was younger. Yep. Uh, great first touch, good header, but just can't seem to kick a ball in the right direction sometimes.
0: I'm like, what are you doing? This is true, although sort of a Ronaldo-esque header yesterday.
1: That leap, yeah, he hung in the air. Adrian is so easy to get out. You could, you could just see that Ancelotti had told them to shoot on sight. Oh, while we're on it, um, the Richarlison is is a straight red. I don't disagree with that. What was your? Did you see the pick for challenge? I did. Uh, What is your opinions on it? But obviously, um, Virgil van Dijk, the news came out, what, 10 minutes ago that he's done his ACL?
0: Yeah, potentially out for the season.
1: Requiring surgery. I, ne-
0: I will never celebrate an injury, but that's obviously... And I feel really sorry for Virgil because I think he's a class act. But I don't know whether that's bad for the quality of games. As in, like I think Liverpool, with Man City's inconsistency could have had a similar season maybe if they had van dyke and you underestimate like the i think van dyke's reputation kind of kind of kind of protects him a lot like people just won't take him on but in terms of the tackle yeah
1: you saw that with the villa game yeah you saw that with the villa game as soon as people started to take him on like jack grealish who's like one of those kids who used to like just ball around on like everyone when they were yeah. at school like just doesn't show anyone respect yeah. and and did it did him a few times in that game purely on the basis that he tried to
0: yeah i i, I yeah i agree i think i think but i mean obviously virgil's an incredible defender but yeah i think i think sometimes if you if you don't show him the respect that he he yeah if you look at him you're like oh my god <laughs> but yeah um in terms of the tackle yeah, it's just clumsy from Pickford, isn't it? I like. I don't think there's any mal intent. Did I see
1: someone say Pickford should get a lifetime ban for that tackle? I'm like, guys. Oh yeah, it's like the thread that I sent you where people are gonna basically they're basically like a few. I, I, I'm praying it was a parody, but it was just this thread on Twitter where they're saying that they're gonna stage a silent protest outside Anfield and write to the Premier League asking to be awarded those two points for the. Offside goal that wasn't offside, and all this shite, and I'm just like
0: Premier League reverses decision over Liverpool match because fan gets in touch.
1: Like, and they're saying that you know Pickford should be banned for the amount of time that Van Dyke is out. There's no malintent in it. It's a poor challenge for me. I th- it's di- it's really difficult as well because it's it's always more difficult sending a goalkeeper off. I think versus a player. I think that goalkeepers will get a wasn't bit. Wasn't it like two?
0: It wasn't long in though either. Either it was like three minutes in or something.
1: No, maybe like no, it was longer than that. I think it was maybe like eight to ten minute mark. Like okay. maybe ten minutes had been played, but you just think like it is. Yeah, it's it's difficult because not only do they not want to send off a player and ruin a game so early on, but then you're also. I feel like sending off a goalkeeper is another level of severity. But I think the only reason it wasn't given as a penalty was because the decision was given as off, as offside. So obviously you can't commit a foul on a play that's offside.
0: Maybe they should have had you in goal, Brad.
1: Maybe, mate. Maybe. I'd have been smashing it. But yeah, obviously th- thoughts go out to Van Dyke because it's a fucking horrible injury. Um, otherwise, how are you, Brad? You good? Yeah, no, I'm really good, mate. I really enjoyed playing footy yesterday. I feel like it was a good weekend of football as well. Like I caught up on some highlights of the Chelsea Southampton game for which everyone was blaming Kepper for the Che Adams goal, but it's definitely Kurt Zuma's fault. Absolutely clusterfuck the fuck at the black. I mean, Kepper doesn't help. <laughs> no, no, but as in, it's, it's a bit more difficult when like Kurt Zuma is literally assisting. Uh, is, I don't know if it's Danny Ing's. I know Che Adams scored it, but is literally passing it into the running lane of their striker, which forces Kepper to just sprint out. Yeah, you know that goal is Kurt Zuma's fault. Kurt Zuma's fault. Hunt all the way because also if you look at him, as soon as he does it, he just stops running and gives up on the play, and Kepper does enough to push either Ings or Che Adams outside, as in so they can't get the shot off straight away. If Kurt Zuma just follows through on the play, there's another centre-back in that equation, and it's not as easy, but he just throws his arms up in the air and gives up. Like, play to the fecking whistle. What are you doing? Yeah,
0: Keppa's just... Yeah, we've talked about him on this podcast before. He's just... uh, You know, he's 26. I thought Keppa was like... 22. 23? 22, maybe? He's 26. I'm like, mate, Jesus, um, but yeah, it was a good week weekend of football, actually. Yeah, uh, some good it was some good games. United, United coming back late. Um, I love all the rumours that Bruno Fernandez just hates his tactics. There was something that came out today about Morgan Schneiderlin, who said that um, the only reason Anthony Martial was so good in his first season is because he couldn't speak English, so he couldn't understand what Louis Van Gaal was saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think it's fucking crazy. So Arsenal were beaten one nil at the Etihad Stadium by Manchester City, who are a team who play in Manchester in a blue kit, managed by a man called Pep Guardiola, who deployed a system I've never seen before on any football pitch ever, uh, where it was madness. I mean, I couldn't quite fathom for the entire game, what, well, for, certainly for the first half an hour, what they were trying to do, but like Bernardo playing as a kind of like sweeper, They had like Joao Cancelo, who's a, I think he's a left back playing like right mid. Um, Sterling was dropping in, playing centre mid. I mean, and Edison was playing as like their playmaker. I know they play Edison like that normally, but like there was some, there was some mad overthinking in this game. 100%. (laughs) Some
1: mad overthinking.
0: And I think it kind of, it kind of did lead to a bit of a, a bit of a chess match in the first, first half.
1: And I wouldn't even say that those tactics pay off, paid off. So I think even if you look at City's goal, it's incredibly lucky and it's out of a piece of poor defending by Bellerin. Bellerin gets... Bellerin's man is Foden. Yeah, he gets spun. And he gets... Not only does he get spun, but then he gets drawn into Aguero, which is, you know, Louise's man, who Louise is kind of chasing after and with. And then when he realises that it's a bit too late and he needs to go back to Foden, Foden gets the shot off and... I feel sorry, Phil. I know, but I also don't because I think if you're like it was a decent save, but it's better. It would have been better to palm it back into the path of Foden rather than into this like literally into the middle of the penalty box where you've got Sterling and Aguero there. And the more that I. He is a great shot stopper and made another f- a fantastic couple of saves. But the more that I watch it, the more that I worry about certain things of kind of his aspects of play. But I, th- I think we were so unlucky. Should have had a penalty. No one can convince me otherwise. That Carl Walker boot up so high—it's it is ridiculous. It didn't get a VAR check. Yeah, on the VAR man, like
0: on the well, yeah, we'll come on to that. On the th- no. there was a moment in the United game. It was a save from I think it was Wilson to De Gea. Now obviously De Gea has had his struggles, but ultimately you know class class is permanent. And there you watch him, and he and he's in, he's kind of in the wrong position, but he dives down to his left and then pushes the ball out out of harm's way. And I think that is just that there's a slight difference. And I say this a lot, like between Leno being top class and world class, mm-hmm. and he makes a top class save. But a world-class save pushes that around the corner. A world-class save pushes that further out because he can see the oncoming sterling. To a sterling, defender. Wherever it is. I don't know. Around the around the corner. Whatever yeah. it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was a shame. Their, their goal felt like... It was quite frustrating, to be honest, to, to concede that one. Because I felt like we were containing them. I felt like we were doing really well in terms of... Yeah. It was a bit of a chess match. It was a bit of a kind of... Uh, a matchup of minds that are clearly, you know, fantastic football brains who clearly know each other well. Mm-hmm. Um and it felt a bit kind of cagey, a bit contained, a bit, you know, they were both both restricting each other from doing what they do best. I think they were they'd obviously put Walker on Aubameyang to stop that outboard from us. They'd stopped us playing out from the back. Um they put good pressure on us and they um they just have an incredible goalkeeper. I think basically is where most of their chances come from, where they can they can beat that first line of the press, which we, we do really well. Um, so yeah, uh, it was, it was, it was, a, it's a tricky game and the the goal kind of felt so like it, because, you know, we've played Man City before and we've been outclassed. We've been absolutely outclassed. Yeah. And that game didn't feel like we were outclassed.
1: No, no, no. We were, I, I do feel almost annoyed and disappointed at the, at the result because we, I mean, we should have had a penalty. If Saka and Aubameyang take those two chances, and I mean the same can be said of Mares and other players in the City lineup, but it did not feel like a defeat worthy performance. Mm. I feel like a draw would have been a fair result, like a one-one or a two-two would have been a fair result on kind of balance of play. Yeah. And although I'm disappointed to lose. It shows clear signs of progression. That when you look at that lineup, we've added two players to it mm. since, well, so far, and one of them wasn't even in the starting lineup. We've added obviously Gabriel Magalhaes, Thomas Party to that lineup since the Etihad rubbing, where David Louise who was obviously lucky not to score an own goal, you know, where we got thrashed three three nil, three one,
0: and we and we've kept Xhaka on the pitch there as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, three nil. Three nil, three nil, yeah. So if you look at the kind of difference in results and the difference in play style and the different, I'm feeling massively positive moving forward. And I think it is a good thing that as an Arsenal fan, I'm starting to feel disappointed when these results don't swing our way. But yeah. I do have to say, VAR and refereeing decisions need to be sorted out in this country because it's will come on to that fucking we'll crazy.
0: That. It's yeah. I think it's a a sign of progress Mm -hmm. that we're frustrated. I think you're right. And I think it's a sign of um, a kind of, uh, yeah, moving forward. Because I think we, you know, in the past we might have been, we might have sort of braced for impact in that game. But actually we took it to them on on many levels. And they, you know, the lineup was interesting because I thought it looked like, and we actually were in the end playing, playing a four at the back. And you know, I think Arteta. This kind of three. I think Tony Adams said something around like you know, three at the back wins you one-off cup games. Four four at the back wins you titles. Uh, I don't know whether that's true, but there's a there's a certain element of kind of bracing for impact with the three at the back and and kind of almost accepting the numerical superiority in the middle. And we we did we did try and take that, but they isolated us so well. Um, and uh, Saka, I thought Saka had a brilliant game,
1: unbelievable performance from Saka. Yeah. So unlucky, Edison pulls off a top-class save with his shoulder. Yeah, like so, so unlucky not to get that goal.
0: There was two chances for like that one. Yeah. There? there was the there was the Saka one, and there was the Aubameyang one, and uh, yeah, it it just the overall. Before we kind of go into the specifics of, of incidents in the game, it does feel like we've moved on. But it's almost more frustrating to feel like we're taking the we're taking the game to them a bit more. We're coming and we're not sitting back and 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 being in, having our inferior, inferiority complex. Mm-hmm. We are bringing that forward, and then when we do that quite well, we still can't quite yeah um, get the game. But I I I, I think it's sign of progress, and I think things are coming definitely. I just think we're maybe two or three maybe windows or maybe a season or two away from going away to Man City and going, no, we can definitely beat these. Yeah,
1: a hundred percent. And I think that will especially start to happen when we sort out the creativity. Saw a statistic the other, uh, like literally maybe this morning or yesterday where there's, okay, I think there's not. it's, I think it's, I mean, I hope it's correct because it's also just from Twitter. So it could be absolute fucking dog shite, but there's 98 teams in the top five European leagues. And so those leagues are obviously the Premier League, the Bundesliga, Liga, um, the um fucking Spanish league is it called Liga La Liga BBVA La Liga whatever. Oh, do you remember the Liga BBVA like times? Oh yes, FIFA. mate. Oh yes, FIFA. Um and uh the Portuguese league, and there are ninety eight teams in them, and for shot creation per match, Arsenal are ninety second. Wow. <laughs> we are. We are abominable at creating chances at the moment. And I think this is the issue. The more chances we... Um, I also read another thing. about um, Robert Lewandowski missed more big chances last season than Yang had big chances last season to score goals. And you just think, like, this is the issue. We're kind of almost feeling disappointed and complaining about not getting a result because, you know... Saka and we the thing is is Arsenal are still brilliant at creating those kind of really good opportunities but sometimes from those really good opportunities Edison will be in goal and will pull off a world-class save we're just not creating enough opportunities at the moment and I think that's one of the the reasons that we're really starting to falter when it comes to these big matches because we aren't we aren't having the volume of chances because sometimes you know your striker just isn't going to hit the ball right or the keeper no matter who they are like Pickford in that Liverpool game made a couple of top class saves Mm. and like people will do that and I think this is our issue we've sorted kind of the the structure out and the defensive kind of solidity Mm. but now we need to really focus on how we get the best out of our players creatively to feed Aubameyang Mm. and to feed Nicolas Pepe as kind of their, those two being our main goal threat outlets. And that's the going to be the thing.
0: Definitely. I think a part of that as well is is Arteta potentially figure out his best system. 100%. Uh, we played Willian at a kind of false nine. Yeah. Uh, couldn't see much logic in that. I, I, I'm sure there there was a tactical reason, which I haven't seen an argument for yet, or or d- didn't appear to understand. Um, maybe it would have worked on a different day. Who knows? But But the... Yeah, I think I think for, you know whether it's moving Albert to the middle playing with that for certain games seeing where Willie maybe the William thing it's an experiment and it-, it might come off in another game who knows Saka playing in that interior you know we tend to there's very few people who I feel are set in stone in a specific position mm-hmm. Ie we have like literally we have like Leno in goal 100% in our premier league and then from there really Anyone could play anywhere, and I and I don't and I don't. Gabriel is is now a mainstay, but even Gabriel, you know, it's different from a lineup to the actual system that plays on the pitch. But even Gabriel himself, he might play in the middle of the of a back three in in transition. He might play on the left side of a four. Um, he might you know we might see Xhaka sort of pressing up actually sometimes in some games, or sometimes where Xhaka drops he, at one point he was dropping back into the into a three. I love the fluidity, and I love the experimentation and and when it helps us to win games i don't care but i sometimes wonder whether someone asked me this question on twitter whether arteta has kind of inherited the over the overthinking thing and the kind of the trying different things and 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 i think maybe when he trusts his players a bit more whether he'll experiment even more like a pep does i think this is the thing and it does worry me because i i do i am concerned that he's not just setting out and going. Yeah, we can we can play different fullbacks or whatever, or or different you know combinations up front or whatever. But ultimately, the the what we're trying to do is the same, and I think it is that it does speak to a little bit of. I wonder whether we'd have a bit more attacking fluency if we were set up in a similar way, because Aubameyang has to learn where these runs are coming from. Saka has to learn how to link that play on that left hand side. You know, we have to yeah. have a bit of continuity somewhere, and I can't see much continuity in any of the systems or games we play every game feels like its own thing we can't i don't see many patterns apart from the playing out from the back and you know we we appear to have a bit of a and and the ball's over the top but when you break those both down like city did Mm -hmm. we're just experimenting with things we don't know much about and it it may work but i i worry that we're not um sticking enough to a system there's got to be a level of fluidity but definitely yeah it's it's interesting um also brad uh, at the risk of making you orgasm live on air, West Ham drew against Spurs, and it's the third time in Premier League history no that a way. team has failed to win a game, when three goals up with 10 minutes to go. 10 minutes to go? Also, Lanzini scored an absolute screamer.
1: Oh my God.
0: An absolute screamer. Borg... Ball gets whipped in from Cresswell, comes out.
1: Oh, I've just seen it. I've just seen he it. just
0: spanks it. Top. Oh ends. my, oh my God, God,
1: what a strike. <laughs> I love this game. I love this game. North London is red. Could never be my club. Could never be my club. I mean, I say that and we got smacked 8-2 by United. Oh <laughs> but could never be my club. That's so funny. Um, Did Bale make his debut?
0: Yeah, I think he came on. I think he came on. Um so in terms of specifics uh from the game then, there was the the Gabrielle incident, which I guess kind of leads us on to a discussion about VAR, really, and it uh, you know. Yeah. It does get dull and it does get but it, it it does need to be talked about. It's like you there's so many. And you, you honestly you look at you look at any any Twitter account, any anything, they can give you about four or five so this this was a this was a foul, but this wasn't, and this was a foul, but this wasn't, and it it just does bring you to the fact that there doesn't appear to be much consistency. I think you can look at any individual individual incident and go and go. Well, what's the rules? And the, the, I think the rules are clear. It's again, it's the implementation. It's not VAR. It's not
1: okay. But here is my it's, issue: it's
0: the it's the implementation of the rules that isn't consistent across the Premier League.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I've been a big, I've been massively for VAR while this conversation has been going on. When we first implemented it, I've said that getting the right decisions is only going to benefit because then it becomes a fairer result. At the end of the day, I think that VAR, it's, it's used in a lot of major sports. And I think that, for example if you look at the Liverpool goal yesterday that was given as offside, but wasn't offside, I think that that again is an issue to do with um, one, the technology that we have, because you know, the cameras aren't going to be incredible because then in you're not going to be able to see you. And also in those moments, are they slowing it down to the exact millisecond that the ball is hit by the passing player versus then a millisecond later, because I think with with offside and VAR, it's the offside rule that needs changing. And it needs to be about clear daylight, because the offside rule was brought in to stop goal, goal mouth, like hangers, people that just stood at the goal waiting for a ball over the top to just tap it in. And if if you've got one foot, like or half a foot over. That could just as easily be to do with your pace as it is to do with the pass being late. So I think that that, it needs to be a rule change about the offside rule. But where VAR for me is really failing at the at the moment are these big moments, are these inconsistent decisions about one, when they're going to view. So I think with VAR, if there is a possible penalty shout, like there was in the Arsenal game for Carl Walker, it should be mandatory for the for the referee on the pitch to go and check the pitch side monitor. And if they decide that... And then obviously you can have Stockley Park looking at it at the same time. And if they decide they can't make a decision, they can go to Stockley Park and say, what do you think? But it just feels like at the moment there is such an inconsistency with what things are being looked at. You look at the Man United getting a penalty after the final whistle has been blown. The referee has gone over to the pitch side monitor after the final whistle has blown, checked it and given a penalty.
0: And we're not even getting the Gabrielle incident looked at.
1: And we're, we're not even getting it looked at by the referee. And it's the same with red card decisions. You look at certain decisions, like the Pickford one was obviously looked at a lot to check if there was an offside, which would either make it a foul and a penalty or also just an offside. And you look at the Enketia red card versus the, incredible amount of dangerous tackles that Arsenal players have faced with nothing being given in our way, because they're not even being checked by the mm. referee. I think if if it's a possible red card incident, even if the, the referee doesn't believe it's a red card from first viewing, but I think this is a rule that needs to be implement, uh, implemented. If it's a possible penalty or a possible red card incident, it is mandatory for the referee on the pitch to go over to the pitch side monitor and give it a second look. Because those two things drastically change games. If Mane gets sent off against Arsenal in the fourth minute, drastically changes the outlook of the game. If Arsenal get that penalty against City, drastically changes the outlook of the game. And you talk about two defeats, possibly turning into two draws or a draw and a win or even still two defeats we might still have lost but I would rather have lost with a fairer result when it comes to refereeing decisions than constantly after these games having to go why the fuck aren't these people just doing their jobs properly and actually looking and it's nothing to do with VAR because VAR is an inanimate object it's about the people running it and the rules around it
0: Brad just Brad just sat back and folded his arms after that (laughs)
1: love it I had to.
0: I had to stop myself. No, mate, I, I I fully hear, and this is the thing: is like we could sit here and go. The Jordan Henderson thing wasn't offside. Look at Sander Burgess tackle on Aubameyang. Mm-hmm. Look at um, the Nketiah thing from last year. Look at it, and you could do you can do that for hours. And I completely understand those, and you can create montages of things that were. But ultimately, it comes down to. Who is ultimately responsible for these things being being standardized for these things being looked at? And I think you're right, there's either a, on a referee level, I, I would suggest you take it even further in that you have as few people as possible at Stockley Park who are able to review, pull things back, you, you know t- it's not taking responsibility away from mm-hmm. referees, but the referees can only see so much. You take pressure off them. you have fifty fucking camera angles to look at a certain incident. Yeah, and you know, if if I genuinely believe that that everything is being looked at, then I'm, I'd be happy with it. But we know from information that comes out, things aren't always being looked at. That so 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 you can't ever have any kind of standard standardisation. Mm-hmm. It's not as if you have an incident every three seconds. These things there was there was what the Gabrielle thing. I can't really think of any other VR thing the, the other day. There should be constantly people there reviewing, reviewing, reviewing. You can't possibly standardise it. The same person can't possibly be in every single location doing the exact same thing and judging it exactly right every single time. No one's asking for that. But what we're asking for is for there to be a consistent and high-level technology, this which there the already thing. is, and using the technology properly, looking at the incidents. If you don't even look at the incidents, uh, just what's just the looking point at of the it. thing being there then? It's not like... I, I think, I think, it, I think the, the, the counter-argument is like, well, you can't look at every incident. How many do you think there are in the game? There's not that many. There's like what?
1: Max max 5 or 6 in a game. It's yeah. It's not talking about all of the little infringements and moments. What it's talking about is those big big moments. Penalty shouts, red cards. They are the two things that drastically change the outlook of a game. And the I think if there is a change to the offside rule where it's there needs to be clear daylight or a certain amount then yes, that will slightly change the amount that VAR is being used to check off sides. But when it comes to these things, if, if it's mandatory, for example, that uh, the on-pitch ref has to go to the pitch side monitor to review the incident for a red card and for a penalty, while they're doing that, nothing stops the, the referee in Stockley Park having a look at it as well, with all the different angles. And then if the ref, after he's finished on the pitch side monitor, goes, I don't think it's a penalty, what do you think? And then if they go, actually, mate, I've seen six different angles, let me show you them, I think it's a stonewall penalty, then at least there's a dialogue and conversation. And it will create a fairer system and a more... And then if you just give the the ref on the pitch autonomy to go once he's seen everything to go yes or no, then fair enough. And I understand that because then it also comes because it is just an interpretation of the rules. But the issue is, is we're not getting an interpretation of the rules on all of these big decisions. Yeah. And that's the important bit. Because we're not getting all these big decisions looked at. The Walker incident wasn't looked at. The Mane incident wasn't looked at. And it, but, but like, I, I hear,
0: I hear what you're saying about the ref going over. But like, surely every single, every single fucking moment of the thing should be looked at by by people at Stockley Park. Because what else are they doing? And we just, we don't need to know. We just need to, you know. E- when in a game has, but has, I just mean
1: for big moments. Yeah, well, but 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 even beyond big moments, because a game stops. A game stops for a red card or a or a penalty. But even beyond big moments, Ciao. little things,
0: off the ball moments, things that you you don't mm-hmm. you don't necessarily see. You know, I was going to come onto this in a moment, but the the Aguero thing of him like touching the ref, uh, touching the uh, the lineswoman. Yeah,
1: like stuff like that. Fucking I'm like, why creepy. isn't that being?
0: Yeah, that, that, that's a slightly separate thing.
1: If you know, it, um. Letter of the law is he should have gotten a mandatory yellow card. Yeah. So, you know, things like that, which the ref ref may miss. Yeah. The the, the literal letter of the law is if you touch an official in a non-aggressive manner, it's a yellow card. In an aggressive manner, it's a red card. Yeah. So either way you look at it, whether you think he would have done it to a man or wouldn't have done it to a man or whatever, he, he, like the literal letter of the law should have been he got a yellow card. Mm. Now, I'm also like at the end of the day, like... I, th- I think it's fucking weird and creepy because I don't think he does it to a male linesman, and no. anyone who says he does do it to a male male linesman is just talking out of their ass.
0: There's an argument around culture and tactility, which I think I I hear, um, but yeah, the the rule is the rule. If you're not meant to touch a line a lineswoman or yep. a linesman, rule is a rule. That's the rule. Um, yeah, listen, we can sit here till we're blue in the face and talk about VAR, but. I think the the thing I'll say is something clearly needs to change, whether it's our <laughs> our suggestions or not, it's whatever it is, something clearly needs to be done. And yeah, I think the only thing I'd say is if you look at that that handball rule, how quickly that was changed, it's clear how quickly things can be implemented in football. Mm-hmm. And I think people will feel a lot more secure if they know there's a standardization going on. And not just between like mm-hmm. which ref do you get, which VAR official do you get. If there's some clear standardizations uh, that the Premier League announce and go, this will always happen. This will always happen. Then people can sort of accept things. Yeah, of course. Are you going to? Are you going to have things that go on after the final whistle, or aren't you? Are you going to? You know, it's it's all those. It's that sort of thing, and standardizing it. Um. Also, Brad. Mm-hmm. I Just want to ask you a question.
1: Go for it, mate.
0: I think it was probably 2015, maybe maybe before that. But when was the last time you saw David Louise score a free kick?
1: Maybe for PSG?
0: Why on earth? Why on earth do we let him take our free kicks?
1: Yeah. What's going on? We've got we've got Nicolas Nicola Pepe scored two free kicks in Pepe, a game. Obamayang,
0: Willian are all better than him. I'm sure Saka would be anyway. It's ego. Yeah. It's moronic. It's, it it's moronic. Ego.
1: It's moronic. I, I am excited. Like, as much as I think, yeah, he's a good leader and he's a decent squad player, I am excited for getting him out of our club and rejuvenating the club. And as much this, like, we have this conversation. It's the same thing about Ozil. I love him. I will miss him. He, because obviously we can talk about Henri, Berkham, Perez, Vieira as being like, oh, everyone says, like, people our age say, oh yeah, Henri was my favourite player, but you were 10. Yeah. You do not really remember the peak years of Henri because he left. Like, this is what I'm saying is not and I think that Meza Ozil is, and Alexis Sanchez and... Probably because Odor are like the three of like the best players I've ever seen in an Arsenal shirt. Özil being my favourite of those players, but the situation isn't working. He's not been registered. He's obviously not going to play now. And while I think whatever I think about the situation, whether I think it's stupid or not, like I am excited for the saga to be over, for us to have cleared out the deadwood. You know, Mustafi, Socrates, Özil, David Luiz. All going, and then being able to rejuvenate the club with people that so because the club just and the players just feel like it it, it does just feel a bit like I don't know about you but I it just feels a bit old and a bit turgid and a bit like I think I I think we're
0: we're moving past what's what is exciting is is we we appear to be moving past the David Luiz, Socrates, Özil, Kalasenac era. Mm-hmm. And those sorts of players, which are sort of like late Wenger, early Emery, and Emery kind of players, mm-hmm. who and obviously beforehand, of course, but like you know that that sort of generation of players are moving mm-hmm. out. And I think what's always, what's been exciting is like at the end of those eras, and and that sort around that sort of time, let's say from like you know twenty fifteen to about twenty nineteen, sort of when Arteta took over. Our signings, as we looked at last week, were inconsistent, and and they they were kind of, um, you know, we'd have a, you know a decent signing, but then followed by a you know really poor signing. You know, it, it, it felt like a bit of an inconsistent recruitment
1: mm-hmm. policy.
0: What's been exciting is you look at the recruitment in the in the last and the and the players who come into the team say over the last twelve months. So I'm looking at say like Tierney happy with. So I'm looking at Gabrielle happy with. Say I'm looking at Sabios, happy with. Say I'm looking at um, Party, really happy with. Say I'm looking at, um, maybe not Pepe, but but Martinelli and Saka breaking through as well, happy with. The players that feel like they've come through and are fresher and are more yes. kind of, um, yeah, players that we feel like we're moving forward with in our future, as well as the players that have been there before, but, you know, mm-hmm. have always performed and feel like Artetic trust the, the players that, you know, the, the likes of Aubameyang and Jacko X- 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 have been there before, but but can perform now. I think what's exciting is is the likes of David Luise's and the likes of your, you know, your Lacazette aren't feel like they're being transitioned out and 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 it feels like yeah. their time is coming to an end. And you look at, you know, you know, Lacazette's not being offered a new deal, Louise is going, you know, all these sorts of things. I'm I'm I think they've been financially mismanaged, but I think on the in terms of pitch stuff, it's an exciting new era to look at and go, okay. Massively this is a real turnover in players.
1: But yeah, cuz the thing is when is the when when kind of was the lot cuz unless Lacazette signs a new deal, he goes next summer. Mm. Because we're not going to let him go on a free the summer after. Um and it's when as an Arsenal fan was the last time that you genuinely saw kind of five, six, seven players leaving. And then obviously I mean, we've got to sign some fucking center backs if that happens because no, as much as you know, Rob Holding has been a good servant. Callum Chambers the same. They've been at the club for a while. They are not at the level of Premier League centre backs that will win you a Premier League, and that's obviously what we're building towards.
0: I wonder whether Arteta might like Chambers. You know,
1: I think he'll like Chambers as a third, fourth, or fifth option. So I think Chambers mm. will stick around, maybe. But I, 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 I he. If you want to win a Premier League, he's not in your top three options of centre-backs. Mm. And obviously with Saliba coming in next season, that might change because we might have Saliba in as kind of second, third choice, Gabriel, first choice, and then we need a second choice centre-back. Unless Pablo Mari turns good, we really don't know at the moment. But the last time that I saw this, amount, I don't think I've ever seen this amount of kind of squad movement before. And I, And it really excites me as a fan. It feels like we're going into kind of a new generation of our club. We went through kind of the golden generation from kind of the late nineties into 2006, 2007. Then we went through kind of that transition where we were the banter era. Yeah. I mean, we were still winning trophies and, you know, qualifying for the champions league, but we weren't really pushing for the league other than 15, 16, where we managed to come second when it was a two horse race between Leicester and Tottenham. But like, it does just feel like we are moving into a very exciting era for, for our club. And I, I'm, personally, I am gassed about it. I, I cannot wait for the next summer transfer window, which seems so strange because I've got a, a whole season of football ahead of me, which, yes, I'm excited about and seeing what Arsenal do. But I spe- if we get Champions League football, next summer's fucking exciting. But it's
0: huge turnover. And it's also, as I, as I say, it's, I now trust the people in charge. I now trust the people. So, yeah, we'll... we'll... Mm-hmm. We'll see on that. Um, last one on the game then. Uh, we saw party for about three seconds, but was there anything that you noticed? Anything you, you, you felt? I mean, he got a yellow card. I didn't think he got massively involved, but equally, City had loads of the ball. It's difficult to say, but...
1: Yeah, it's... I don't want to judge him. It's hard to have an opinion on somebody that did not get <laughs> barely any minutes. And so I don't want to kind of form... It is. I was excited to see him come on, mm. but then I also want to just... Hold any of my opinions back about his play mm-hmm. because he's in a new team, new system mm-hmm. against, you know, a team that did the domestic quadruple. Yeah,
0: I think it's also that thing of we were just saying that you know, you you look at that lineup now, and I'm, I think you look at some certain lineups and you look at like the city lineup and there's a few there's a few here and there that you're not that bothered about, but like there's big hitters there. There's Aguero, there's Sterling, there's Silver, there's. De Bruyne. There's De Bruyne.
1: although well, he wasn't playing.
0: There's, there's Laporte. There's Edison. and I think you're now looking at an Arsenal team where I would put Ruben Diaz as well. You know, had a solid game. You're against now them. looking at like a Partey, Party, Gabriel, Tierney. I like. I, I'm starting to think like etching up to elite, world class level, and it's it's yeah, it is really exciting. So it's just it was just great to see him in the shirt, really.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. I'm saving all opinions on his play until he's played a full 90 for us.
0: No, Brad, I want you to do a full breakdown on his 7 minutes of game.
1: He was good. Very good. So I I um I have a question for you. Go on. Which uh which which kind of feeds off of the last thing. Um if you are to set up an uh, an Arsenal team with this squad of players, what is your best lineup? I'm personally of the opinion that the only two teams you really need to change your system for are City and Liverpool because I think everybody else is very gettable this season. Um, and, I mean, we even saw last night that you know City were gettable, so I think it's uh, so yeah, uh, you can pick the formation and pick the 11 players. What do you think? Uh...
0: I, okay, let's say, I'll give myself a scenario. Let's say we're at home to Spurs.
1: Okay, and I'll do the same.
0: I'm going, ignoring other teams in terms of, you know, how they're playing the, the system. Just just the kind of, the, if we were just going to play like a one-off, let's try and beat them kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um, Leno in goal, I'd play a 4-3-3 with a holding midfielder and two sort of attacking eights um i'd play Bellerin in at right back i'd play holding at right center back i'd play Gabriel at left center back i'd play Tierney at left back
1: oh also also injuries doesn't matter injuries injuries aren't a thing okay so it's out of out of the entire squad
0: yeah. i'd go party at dm I'd stick Ceballos in front of him on the right and Saka in front of him on the left. And then I'd stick Bamiang through the middle, Pepe on the right, and I'd probably have Williano Martinelli on the left. I'd probably go w I'd probably go Martinelli, just because, you know, Bans.
1: All right. What about you? Um, on the same, 4-3-3, a slightly different structure for my midfield though, but I'll chat about that when I get to it. So obviously Leno and goal, Bellerin and Tierney fullbacks, uh, Gabriel left centre-back. If we're saying no injuries, I would give Chambers a run in the team at right centre-back, but in failing that, Holding or Louise are perfectly kind of decent understudies. Adequate. And, uh, yeah, adequate for the level then my the structure of my midfield would be more of a two sitting and one further forward but i would have is he definitely definitely party on the right and then the left i think is quite interchangeable depending on who else you have but it would either be Xhaka or Sabios and then i would play William at, at the kind of foremost kind of almost cam position Ooh. of that three so it would either be Party Xhaka, Willian, or Party Sabios Willian, and then I would go for a front three of Pepe on the right, Abamiang through the middle, and then again it would either be Saka or Martinelli on the left.
0: No space for Hugh Wizzy in that team.
1: No, no space for Hugh Wizzy. He's a decent goalkeeper, though. Apparently, Bill, are like so you? My idol plays the same position as me. <laughs>
0: um, okay, we've had a viewer question. We have had some viewer questions. Uh, this is from. This is from uh, actually again, Brad. It's from uh, a gentleman who I mentioned on the last podcast, whose name I can't say. And he told me that it was potentially the worst pronunciation of his surname he'd ever he'd ever heard. <laughs> so I'm gonna call him Ayush because I got that bit right. I think he said it was close. I think. Hang on, let me find what he oh, said.
1: Oh, that is fucking brilliant.
0: Uh, yeah, he said it's a Nepalese name, and he lives in Finland. He said, Fed say you almost nailed my first name, oh. but the last name was worst I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. So Ayush has asked, how far do you think Arteta can take us? Do you think he can make us PL, CL winners, or do you think that he can only make us Champions League regulars at best? Uh, do you think Arteta will eventually go down as an Arsenal legend? Now... My girlfriend constantly picks me up on how much I just absolutely lick Arteta's ass. So I'm gonna let you answer this question, Brad.
1: All right, yeah. Um,
0: He's gonna change the
1: world. I think the ish I mean love. This the issue with the is the issue with this question is is it's also dependent on a lot of other people. Because say for example, Cronky decides that Arsenal's now his one and only love of a lifetime and gives Arteta 200 million to spend in two transfer windows. He could, he could, with the right players, take us very, very far. But we don't... Again, we have a little bit of a sample pool of how good he is as a manager, you know. Nobody thought we'd win the FA Cup last season in what was the worst league performance in 20-something years. So... It's really difficult. It's really difficult to see and to understand how far we can actually go because we don't know how much backing this man's going to get. All I will say is I can see an eventuality in a future where if he is not backed sufficiently in coming transfer windows, a bigger team with the funds will poach him because he has proved to a degree that he is better than certain managers in top-level jobs. He's a better manager than Ronald Coleman who's at Barca. He's a better manager than Solskjaer, than Lampard, than lots of other managers in, you know, big big jobs. So I'm very confident that he can make us with the with what seems to be the kind of injection of funds we get every year into a Champions League regular team, I think to get to that Premier League winners level. He either needs to do some incredibly smart business or needs to be backed a little bit more financially. And I think it's the same with getting to win the Champions League. It, it does become a situation of of anyone can do it. Knockout football is fucking mental. Like, any Greece won the fucking Euros. Like, knockout <laughs> football is oh, yeah. crazy. But I do think that if we are to try and push on towards those things it would be done with a bit more, either with better finances in the sense of how well we sell players and with maybe a bit more of a cash injection from the Cronkies.
0: I'm with you, brothers. I, I think anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I've got an absolute boner for Arteta. Um, I I just think he's fucking class, mate. I, I think he's... He's brilliant. But he's great. He's so great. He's just like... <laughs> he's He communicates so clearly. I think regardless yeah. of what happens with us, he will go on to be a top, 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 top coach. Um because he's fucking brilliant and i and and he is is a young coach he's clearly got ideas he's clearly got ambition i also like his attitude like i get the vibes of like if you're not going to back me i'll just go somewhere else i'll go <laughs> like do you know what i mean like I, I, this is the thing you no know, he's been offered the first managerial job he he got offered was arsenal do you know what I mean like he, he this man ain't here to play like he's clearly and and every every comment that comes out about him from from the players, everything that we hear about him, the way he's transformed the club. He's so humble. I mean, he said he spoke six or seven languages in um, a, 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 a <laughs> an interview this week. In fairness, three of them were Spanish, Spanish languages, but I don't know how different they are. So I, I could be laughing at him for no reason. I can only speak one language. So, you know, my
1: on me, it. Um it? He'll win the Champions League in his career. The question is, is whether it's with us. Yeah. Because I, I would put money on that. I would put money on that right now. He's not even 12 months into being a professional manager. he's already won a major piece of silverware and he's taken a club who were, who seemed to be in disarray and disrepair and turned some of those players who looked like they were either on the way out or just done at an elite level into decent performers at you know top level Premier League football.
0: he's shaping we uh mm-hmm. i don't know if you remember this brad but at drama school we got a little pamphlet that talked about forming storming norming performing mm-hmm. and the forming stage is like getting your shit together like in a in a in a drama sense it's like you know getting the scripts on the first day of rehearsals it's like understanding your character that sort of stuff i think arteta's gone through the forming bit he's gone through the okay here i am i'm gonna put down my non-negotiables I'm gonna establish like an understanding of how I work all that sort of stuff I think we're in the storming bit I think we're trying things out I think we're working if we're if we're if we're carrying on the drama metaphor I think we're rehearsing now it's like you know we we're, we're seeing what happens we we're, we're trying to tie mm-hmm. tie our big stars down to <laughs> to contracts to play in the show you know and I I'm excited for the norming bit because I think the norming bit is where we really see Arteta. Stamps that that uh, that blueprint down. He goes. This is how I want to play. This is how I structure. At the moment, he's still, you know, getting his own players in. Hopefully, he's backed. I think if he can get to that stage, which he needs support from, the norming bit can be Premier League champions. Guardiola said it yesterday. Can be. Arsene Wenger said not, maybe not, it. Maybe not. Maybe not, maybe not champions, but but challenging, which is all I care about. Like mm-hmm. no one's going to win the league every year. does it? Doesn't happen anymore. We're out, we're out of the Alex Ferguson era. We are at a stage now where where teams I don't think we'll ever see a dynasty quite like that again, just because there's so many teams who could win the premier. I mean, look at Everton.
1: It's much more difficult. It's much more difficult now because of the money in football.
0: Imagine this Everton team facing off against like, like a Liverpool team from that got into the top four like ten years ago.
1: It would they would
0: spank oh, them. Yeah. So spank. They would spank them. So um yeah, it's it's like yeah, if he, is, if, he is, if he is backed, if he is given the opportunity, he can be challenging. And I think he can make his Champions League regulars. Um, yeah, and, and I always end these things with, we'll just have to wait and see. But that is it's what we're going to have to do. I think the signs are there. Yep. And ultimately, you know, you look around us and I think the opportunity is there. You know, Liverpool are now without Van Dijk. Man City seem a little bit unsure of themselves man united are stuttering spurs is <laughs> funny um you know everton are everton are on a great run of form we don't we we don't know how long this this yeah. continues we've got an opportunity here especially this season
1: oh 100% 100% this is what i was saying though about transfers as well if you get the right if we could have seen... obviously even in the transfer window we couldn't have foreseen you know virgil's acl injury but this season is probably this the best season. One, to pick up players because they would have been cheap and two, to try and mount a challenge from nowhere. So imagine we'd spent an extra 60 million quid, 70 million quid, you know, on an attacking midfielder and on, I mean, we've got fucking nine centre-backs, but it seems like we need another one to actually partner Gabriel Magalhaes. But let's say we don't have nine centre-backs. We just spend 60 million quid extra on fucking Alwar because i Love the guy, and another s- centre back like Ben Godfrey from Everton. I'm not saying he's of the level, but or like just somebody. He's the first name that came to my head. Probably not Ben Godfrey because I don't think he'll ever be a Premier League winner. But like Hugh Wizzy, fuck off with the Hugh Wizzy comments. <laughs> all right, <laughs> you bastard. Um, yeah, this was the per- this is the perfect time to to try and mount a challenge. There's a reason that Everton are top of the league at the moment. You know. And this, this was the perfect season. Liverpool is going to start to be in transition in the next few years. You know, City are having to throw money at it and just see what sticks at the moment because they're desperate for Champions League and Premier League success. This was the best season to make a run of it. I'm st- like, I'm still confident we could easily, we could, not easily. I'm still confident we could get top four, but... You look at that and you go, well, we could get top four, but even the people that I was saying are guaranteed top four aren't performing well at the moment. And Liverpool have just lost their best centre-back. And it's not even that they've lost their best centre-back and they've got decent backups. Joe Gomez is a serviceable mid-table centre-back at best. And you just look at that and you go, this is shaping up to be another Leicester year kind of vibe. Like another 2015-16 where a lot of teams were in rebuild and it was a perfect opportunity to take advantage.
0: Yeah. On the Man City thing, there was an infographic that came up in the game. Have we seen Guardiola spent 423 milli on defenders?
1: On defenders, yeah. He spent over Incredible. a billion pounds since being at City.
0: A billion. In conclusion, I love Arteta,
1: But not in that way. In that way, slightly.
0: A little bit. Brad, I'm going to play it out with some dulcet tones. You ready? You do
1: it, my friend. Oh. oh, what a thunder cunt! Oh. oh, you love, love,
0: love to see things you love to see. We literally lost yesterday, but I will still take yeah, a last against minute. Man City. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> and we didn't even,
0: it's not like we lost 3-0. Oh. All
1: right,
0: Brad, that brings us to the end of the Different Not podcast, episode number 16, it does. Thank you, mate. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. um, Brad, do you want to send the love letters to Hugh, Izzy, or shall I?
1: Um, I will send him a love letter. Okay. This is my love letter, Hugh. I love you. I profess my undying devotion to you as a member of your fraud gang. Fraud gang. You are a legend. Oh, here's a question. What do we call our... (laughs) I was wondering the other day,
0: what should we call our different knock listeners? And I said knockers, and
1: it was immediately knocked back. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Um... We'll have to... Let, let's have a think. Let's have a think and we'll, we'll we'll think of something to release on Thursday to call everyone. Maybe they could name themselves. I yeah. Don't know what,
0: yeah, different knock listeners. If you got to this point, if you got to this point, you're a, you're a you know, you're a proper fan. Yeah. So... You love this. Uh, maybe the... And we love you. The Differs?
1: The, the Differs? The Difference? DKers? The different, different gang? I don't know. The Diff Gang? Diff Gang. Oh, I don't mind Diff Gang. Yeah, but I feel like we're stealing gang from Hugh Wizzy, so like... yeah do you know what I mean like and you don't don't steal anything else from him do you not at all not at all (laughs) (laughs) All
0: alright guys Uh, pleasure as always and we'll see you on Thursday bye on Thursday on Thursday (laughs) bye bye thank you so much for listening to the different knock podcast if you did enjoy that and want to hear some more please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using for a new podcast every monday and thursday if you want to support the show and get access to exclusive content check us out on patreon and follow us on instagram and twitter at diff knock thanks